Father, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Father, and to study your word, Father, and to learn and, and be equipped and empowered by you, Father, and we thank you, Lord, and we're just praying for everything that's going to happen here tonight, Father. We ask that you just open up our hearts our minds, our ears, our spirits to receive everything that you have for us today, Father. And we thank you, Father, that blinders will be removed today. We thank you, Father, that we're going to come to know you in a new level, Father, a deeper understanding of who we are in you, Father, a deeper understanding of your love for us, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that um, generational curses will be broken today in the name of Jesus, that our kids will not suffer the way we have suffered. Father, I thank you that... Um, Anything that um, is, is standing in the way of getting closer to you, any sins, anything hidden will be revealed tonight in the name of Jesus, that things will be brought to light, that our revelation will come to us, Father, that um, you will bring up things that maybe we didn't even know we, were, we have been struggling with and dealing with, Father, that everything will be dealt with, Father, but you, because you love us, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for deliverance tonight, Father. We thank you for this ministry of deliverance that, that is your ministry, Father, and that you've equipped us and empowered us to do, Father. And I just thank you that I just ask that you just speak through uh, Pastor Jamin tonight as he teaches us. Father, uh, be with us in our small groups. Let the conversations just flow. Father, let our hearts and ears just be open to you and your leading, Father. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand your feet with me right now? We closed our last session a month ago by reciting the Lord's Prayer together from Matthew, and we're going to do so again today. I kind of combined some of the elements of Matthew and Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to have that on the screen here in just a moment, but I want you to be aware of what tonight really is about. We're going to start with plenty of information, then we're going to have a time of, of application. Pastor Olga is going to teach in the second session about um, some practical things that deliverance looks like. Then we're going to have a time of reflection in our small groups. And it's in that time that we're going to ask questions of you. We're going to ask you to write on that paper that you've got just reflection, the things that the Holy Spirit is showing you, revealing to you. And then at the end of the night, after our third session, we're going to come back together and we're going to put some things into action. Yeah? So listen to me. I'm not going to be weird. And I don't want you to be weird. Okay? I'm anti-weird. Okay? What I believe in is the power of God to set people free. So at the end of the night, after we prayed, if you've got what you need from God, God bless you. But if you feel like the Lord, the Lord is revealing something to me, Holy Spirit is showing me things within me that I need to be delivered from, then I'm going to ask you at the end of the night to join me at the altar here, and I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to believe God. You're going to be set free. Because listen to me, there's nothing like living in freedom. Okay? It is an amazing place that God wants us to live in. Amen? So let us recite the Lord's Prayer together, and then I'm going to ask you to grab your pens, uh, notebooks, uh, you type fast on your phone, I guess. I'm going to give you a ton of information in a, in a short amount of time, so I want you to be ready to receive all this. But let's, uh, in the words of Jesus, when his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. How should we pray? Can we have that from Matthew? I hope we have it. I, and if not, well then, <laughs> I'm going to do my best here to, yes, do we know? Create out in the hallway? I don't even know. Oh, Karina, can I get the Lord's Prayer, please? Thank you. Okay, she's going to make it happen for me. Anyway, so the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, yeah, I, I, I got you. And they, here we go. Hallelujah. All right. Everybody with me, just look on the screen if you need to look on me. Here, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not lead us into temptation. Ready? But deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, just before you're seated, I want you to look at that second to last line because this is the crux of, of deliverance. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. And many of us have said this for years, decades, and not even realize what we're asking of God. Deliver us from evil. The evil one. Evil ways. Okay, uh, The evil within myself. Deliver me from evil. If you believe that God has delivered, come on, put your hands together. Say amen. Uh, you may be seated. So again, I'm giving a ton of information right now, so please do your best to keep up with me. Um, there will be uh, some things on the, on the screen, but it's mainly scriptures that you'll see on the screen. And I will try to, if there are any questions, I will try to pause at times to ask that of you. But here we go. What is deliverance? Deliverance is this. Yeah, I got a definition for you. Deliverance is defined as being rescued or the act of being rescued or set free from bondage or from peril, from danger. That is what deliverance is. Okay? And so what we see in the Bible is that Yahweh, God, Yahweh is the, is the, is the name, there's the Hebrew name attributed to God. God is constantly delivering his people or rescuing his people from, from bondage, from danger. And so we see in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, we see God rescuing the Israelites from their enemies. We see God rescuing them from slavery. We see God rescuing them from oppression. We see God rescuing them from famine, from, from sorrow, uh, even from death and the grave. God is constantly rescuing his people. Now, when I think of this term deliverance, the most, probably the, the most striking example of deliverance that we have in the Bible comes from the book of Exodus. Exodus simply means an exit. Okay? The book of Exodus is where we see God really just demonstrating his power to deliver. Because what do we see in Exodus? We see that the Hebrew people are in slavery. They're in bondage for 400 years to their Egyptian slave uh, owners. And what happens here is that they begin to cry out to God. They're crying out to God for deliverance. Send us a deliverer. Deliver us from, from this. And so what God does ultimately is he performs a physical deliverance. It's called the Exodus. And in that physical deliverance, it requires a physical deliverer. And so the deliverer's name is Moses. Moses is born for that purpose of delivering God's people out of this oppression and out of this slavery. So here's what happens. You have a deliverer. That means you have one who's kept people bound. Pharaoh would be an Old Testament type and shadow of Satan. What I mean is that when we, what would Satan do to us? Look what Pharaoh did to God's people. Lie. Manipulate, deceive, oppress, force them into doing his will and what he wanted. And so what we see in Pharaoh is that Old Testament type and shadow of what Satan is always trying to do. Keep us bound. Keep us in bondage. Keep us defeated. Keep us discouraged. And so what we see then in the New Testament is that God is going to deliver his people out of Satan's bondage. And he's going to deliver them not just out of slavery. He's going to deliver them into freedom. Here's what we call that. We call it the new creation. Okay, the new creation. Knowing that I'm free means I'm part of the new creation. And how does God do this? He used a physical deliverer, if you will, in the sense of setting God's people free in the Exodus. He uses a, both a physical and a spiritual deliverer to set his people free from the clutches of Satan. And you know what his name is. His name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is actually the stronger man who comes not only to set us free in our hearts and in our lives, he comes to set us free from oppression, from 
depression, from sickness, from mental torment. He comes to set us free from the addictions in our lives. My grandfather used to quote this verse all the time, and, and it sticks with me because he actually said it twice the last time he ever preached a message. He was 89 years old, and here's what he said. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, check it out now, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I don't know about you, but I pray that's my testimony. Everywhere God sends me, I'm, I'm not only doing good, but I'm setting people free from the oppression of the enemy. If you want that to be your testimony, then say, let it be so, Lord. Amen. All right. So go with me to Matthew real quick. Matthew 12. And forgive me if I, I start to get on my... Uh, uh, my, my hamster wheel here, and I just start taking off, all right? Here we go. Matthew 12. Here's what happens. One day they brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so, he could, uh, so that he could now both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? However, look what the religious people do. <clears throat> when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub. Okay, Beelzebub was, the, uh, was the, uh, the name for the prince of demons. It's only by the prince of demons that this guy can cast out demons. Okay, so let, let's define something real quick. When we're talking about deliverance, we're talking about what is necessary for God's people. God's people need deliverance. But you can also be demon-possessed. Okay? Now, demon possession can happen to anybody. All right? Demon possession will always happen to those who are not God's people. All right? They're, 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 they're not in, in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I'll talk on that more in just a moment. So, we've got this guy that is demon-possessed. So, what are demons? Demons are fallen angels. They are the ones who followed Lucifer in his failed coup to overthrow the Almighty. They thought they would rise up against God and remove him from his throne. And Jesus says, this is how bad Jesus saw Satan get his butt kicked. Okay? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah, that's how quickly it happened. God just said, for real? Bam. Just like that. It was done. All right? This failed coup. But here's what the Bible tells us about these, these angels that tried to rise up with Lucifer. It says in Revelations 12, the great dragon was thrown down, speaking of Satan, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels, there we are, demons, were thrown down with him. So demons now, what they do is they, they have a, an assignment, an objective. And here's what it is. Number one, it's to keep you in sin and in shame. Their objective is to keep you in sin and in shame. The second thing demons are always trying to do is to keep you away from knowing the truth and then living in that truth. It's one thing to know it. That's another thing to live in it. So the enemy is always trying to keep you from knowing the truth and then living in that truth. And then the third thing they're trying to do is this. Maybe you know the truth. Maybe you're living in some truth. So what they're trying to do is keep you distracted, ultimately from serving the Lord and serving his church. This is what the, the enemy is always trying to do. Demons are always trying to do. That's their objective, okay? So the question that needs to be answered isn't why a person gets a demon possessed. It's how. How do we open up the door to the demonic in our lives, okay? So what I mean by this is I'm, I'm trying to explain this in a, in a way that I, I best can so you, you'll understand what I'm saying here. Demons have to gain legal authority in your life. Okay? Like you can't just walk into my house tonight and squat and be like, I'm here. No, you have no legal authority, okay? Not, not only is Pastor going to call the police, but before you get out my front door, I might get a couple shots in, you know what I'm saying? Right? Legal, there's no, you have no legal authority to do that. 
Demons need legal authority to enter your life. Yep. So who gives them authorization? We do. We do. Look at what Ephesians 4.27 says. It says, give no place to the devil. Or the King James, the Gilder, it says, give no foothold. I wanted to illustrate this, but I, I can't really do this. But if I asked Brock to, to stick his foot in the door right there, I, 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 you're going to slam it in, in his face, but he sticks his foot in the door, doorway. Okay. Though you've told him, I don't want you here, you've left enough space, enough room, a foothold, if you will. You've given place to the devil. And now he's going he's gonna to weasel his way back in. This is why we are taught to give him no place. So how do we open these doors? How do we give Satan legal right, demons legal right, legal rights to demonize our lives? Okay, here's a couple things. You may not have known these things. We call them prenatal abuses. Prenatal meaning before your birth. Okay, things you had nothing to do with. Parents, guardians, uh, abusive natures, if you will. Um, after you were born, the rejection of, of those who were supposed to care for you and love you and protect you. Uh, there might be different kinds of addictions, drugs, alcohol, sexual addictions in, in, in your family lineage. And these things have opened doors. And you had nothing to do with this. You, you had no say in this. Prenatal abuses, if you will. And then we ultimately we typically call them as either generational curses or generational ignorance. Okay? Maybe I'm, a, I'm aware there's generational curses, but I'm ignorant of how to break them. So it leaves an open door in my life. Second thing that will leave open doors is now things I do have control over. Sinful habits, my own choices, addictions, gossip, sexual immorality, fornication. Fornication is any kind of sex outside of God's design of marriage. Let me be clear about that. God's design is a man and a woman. That's God's design. You got issue with that, take it up with the Almighty. Okay? But that's God's design. So anything outside of God's design becomes a sinful habit. Jealousy, hatred, violence, racism. We could go on and on. These sinful things, these are open doors for the enemy to not only have a foothold, but to enter in and to demonize your life. Also this, you're just your disobedience to God's word. Just simple disobedience, whether it's fully willful or completely ignorant. I know like a lot of people in this generation like to make the excuse that they just don't have time to read the Bible. You've got plenty of time to scroll, uh, they, they, don't, they don't have time to, uh, or they, they don't really understand uh, the Bible. Well, just like anything you've ever learned in your life, you just have to take the time to educate yourself, to learn, to ask questions. But willful disobedience to God's word or ignorant disobedience to God's word can open the door to demonization in our lives. Also this, any kind of occultic involvement, involvement or false worship. What I mean by this, like, you know, tarot cards, Ouija boards, horoscopes, crystals. Uh, here we go. Astrology. What's your sign, yo? You, you've, got, you've got clairvoyance, you've got new age activities, you've got witchcraft, idols, alternative ways to be spiritual. These things can open up the door to demonization in our life. Here's a heavy one, religion. Just a simple fact that anyone who tells you there's some other way to God, there's some other tradition, there, there, there's some other means, there's some other, uh, other belief, okay, there's only one way to the Father, and that's never going to change. His name is Jesus. Every other way leads to eternal damnation. But religion can open the door. In fact, in, in the, the times that we have performed exorcism and cast demons out, sometimes the hardest demons we have ever had to deal with are those religious devils that will just not leave. 
There was a, a lady that we cast a devil out of over 20 years ago. It took us three weeks to get out every demon she had. And most of them were attributed to Catholicism and to all the different idols and saints and angels that she prayed to and she confessed to. And we literally it took us three weeks to see her completely set free. But whom the Son sets free can be free indeed. And then lastly, this, I want to make sure you know this. We can also, if we, whether we realize it or not, unforgiveness can leave the foothold in our life for the enemy to run rampant. Unforgiveness, right? It gives, it, we've all dealt with it. Some root of, of bitterness in our hearts. Someone, something, a situation took place that I just can't let go of. And we will justify hanging on to that as long as we possibly can. I mean, we will, and you might be right in the moment to, to feel like, I, I, I can't forgive yet. But if you're not careful, that unforgiveness doesn't just become days and weeks. It becomes years and decades. What the enemy will use that is, is a means to now begin to demonize your life. Because, yes ma'am. You're already getting to the next portion of this. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. No, and I'm glad you said that. What we're going to do tonight in time of deliverance is making sure that, that every one of you have not just forgiven those who have wronged you, but that you can forgive yourself. Because if God is not willing to hold it against you, then who are you to hold it against you? And that's the power of what I believe we're going to see God do tonight in deliverance. So thank you. Yes, ma'am, great question. In the end, I just want everyone to see this. It is essential that we that we forgive even ourselves to, to really purge that bitterness from our hearts. Here's how Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said like this in Hebrews 12. He said, look after each other so that, here it is, none of you fails to receive the grace of God and watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you because it will corrupt many. And these are things that the enemy will use as, as footholds, okay? uh, legal entry points into your life. This is what he's looking for. So going back to Matthew 12 real quick, what we see is that Jesus is being accused of having demonic power. He's casting out demons everywhere he goes, so they're just like, well, the only reason he can do this is because he has demons. So here's how Jesus responds in verse 25 of Matthew 12. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, come on. He's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, if, if, if it's really the power of Satan that I'm casting them out, uh, casting Satan out, then how are, are your sons and daughters, how are they able to do this? If I can do it by Satan's power, how are they able to do this? Or are they even able to do this? Now check out this next verse. Here it is. Therefore, they will be your judges. Because if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, if it isn't Satan that has empowered me, but if it's the Spirit of God that has empowered me, then, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Everyone say kingdom. I mean, say it like you mean it. Kingdom. Okay. Jesus says, if it's by God's Spirit that I'm casting out demons, then the kingdom of God has arrived. It is here. It used to be here, and now, it, and now it's gone. But if I'm doing this 
by the power, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Now, here's what the kingdom simply implies. It implies a new government. It implies a new legal authority. That's what kingdom means, okay? If you don't know this about your Lord and Savior, he's not a religious figure, okay? He's a, he's a governmental figure. He's a king, and he has a kingdom, and that's what he's coming to set up when he returns to earth, and I'll talk about this more next month, but that's why we call him the king of kings, and the Lord of lords because he's not coming to set up a religious institution when he returns. He's coming to establish an eternal kingdom where he reigns forever and ever. Oh, he's a political figure. I had no idea. Well, now you're learning. And so he says, look, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here's what kingdom means. You should break up into two words. It's the king's domain. That's what a kingdom is. It's the king's domain. So the kingdom of God has come upon you if The Spirit of God is the one empowering Jesus to cast out demons. So let's go back real quick. If Jesus has come to set up a new kingdom, this this new legal authority, then what happened in the beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, all of creation was created by by the Word of God. He spoke everything into existence except for us. We are the only thing that He formed out of a dust or out of a rib. Okay, either way, we've been, we're the only thing that God used His hands. Everything else He spoke into existence. Now, when he, when he formed man, Adam, what he did is he gave him dominion. Okay? Literally, he gave Adam legal authority over everything that he created. So all of the old creation, Adam is now the legal authority over it all. That means that Adam has authority over the earth. He has authority over the weather. He has authority over the animals. He has, he has authority over, over any, anything that existed that was created. Adam has the authority over. So... Satan knew this, and he knew that he could not force his way into the garden and forcibly take away what Adam had. Why? Because he had no legal authority there. So here's what he did instead. He had to be given his authority. So what he does is he suggests to Eve, take a bite of that hidden, that forbidden fruit. God's withholding something from you. He suggests to one who got, not, not the direct revelation from God, but the, the one who got revelation from someone else. We know that Adam got direct revelation, and then Adam passed that revelation on to Eve. Eve was living on secondhand information, at least from what we know. This is why you've got to know the Word of God for yourself. Because if you're just living off what I'm preaching to you only, and you're thinking once a week is enough, the enemy is going to, he's got you so deceived into thinking that my sermon is enough to carry you. You've got to know the Word for yourself. So here's Eve being deceived, and what's the whole purpose of deceiving Eve? So that I can get Adam to agree with me. Because if I can get Adam to agree with me, then Adam will oppose God. And since I can't take him on directly, I'll do it through something he loves. I'll do it through someone he cares about. I'll do it through someone else that maybe can draw him in and pull him away. Ooh, you've got to be careful in your relationships, family. you really got to be careful in your relationships how the enemy will look to use them. Since they can't get to you directly... Parents know this. He, he can't get to me, so he'll use my children. He'll, he'll use your marriage. He'll use your business partner. He'll use the people you, you go to college with or, 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 or your friends in school. He will use your family members in, in, in an attempt to ultimately demonize your life. So what happens is Adam comes into agreement with Satan, and now he's opposing God, and you need to know it's so important. The only way that the enemy really gets empowered in our life is by our agreement. When I begin to agree... And the moment I begin to agree with Satan, I'm actually opposing God. Right? So Adam disobeys God, and he causes the whole entire fall of humanity. 
You know the story. But it doesn't stop there. He didn't just screw it up for all of us. You know what he did? In that moment, he forfeited his legal authority over to the enemy. He handed it to Satan. Now, maybe you've never heard this before, but we were talking about the temptation of Christ this past Sunday. In Luke's account of the temptation of Christ, Luke 4, here's what Satan said to Jesus. He says to Jesus, I will give you all their authority. I will give you all the, how can you do that? Because it has been given to me. I don't know if I have that verse or not, I'm sorry. It has been given to me. So there it is. Wait, wait, what? Satan can give away what he has because it was given to him. Who gave him that authority? Adam did in the garden. He forfeited his legal authority over all of the old creation. So now Satan has legal authority over everything that exists on this planet. It was given to him by Adam. So that's what he tells Jesus. I can give it to anyone I want because it was given to me. So Satan has legal authority over the old creation. Ephesians 2, Paul said it like this. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Though Here it is, the prince of the power of the air. Because he has legal authority over the old creation. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Legal authority over old creation. Satan has it. So here's what happens. In 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5, Paul tells us if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. Someone say new creation. Okay. Old things are passed away. Check us out. Behold, all things become new. So I need you to hear this now. Satan has legal authority over the old creation, but I need you to see what he has no authority over. Anybody who's a part of the new creation, this right here lets the enemy know you have no legal authority here because I belong to Jesus. I am in Christ. I don't mean to get preachy, but just for like 10 seconds, somebody declare I'm a new creation. Someone declare I've been born again. Declare this over here. I've got new DNA. It's the blood of Jesus that has cleansed you. Now he's made you a part of God's family. I'm no longer identified by the old creation. I'm identified as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now the Greek word here for authority that we see over and over again in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's a word called exousia. Exousia just simply means the privilege or the right to force something out. Authority. The privilege or the right to force something out. If you notice about Jesus, every time he has an encounter with a demon, Jesus is not polite to demons. He's not kind to demons. He forcibly tells them, with all of his authority, come out. Come out. He uses his forceful authority, his exousia, if you will, to cast out these demons. And here's how, what he says of himself in Mark 3, verse 27. He says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone who's even stronger. Someone who can bind him up and plunder his house. If Satan has legal authority over the old creation, then I need you to know that Jesus is the legal authority over the new creation. Matthew 28, he says it like this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven, which is really the seat of authority, and even here on earth, this place of execution of that authority. So in other words, Jesus is simply telling you what Adam forfeited, I got it all back. What Adam gave up in the garden, I got it all back through my death and resurrection. And ladies and gentlemen, Adam forfeited it, but Jesus forcefully restored it all. What I want you to know about your God is God always wanted Satan to be defeated by a man made in his image. 
His first son, Adam, failed. His second son, Jesus, fulfilled. His desire was that Satan be defeated by a man. And I need you to know this today. God is still, he's never aborted that plan. And that's why Jesus not only died, he resurrected. And he not only resurrected, he ascended. So that Philippians chapter 2 could happen. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And check it out, those in heaven, those on the earth, here it is, and even those under the earth. Woo, Satan and all of his fallen angels, every one of them have a tongue and a knee. And those tongues shall confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord forever and ever. If you are just grateful that the enemy, though he might be trying to mess with your life, is trying to get a foothold in your life, he's still got to bend that knee to the name above all names. Can you just say, thank you, Jesus? Amen. All right, I don't mean to be preaching. I'm supposed to be teaching here. Help me, Lord. Let me quickly give you five truths about deliverance, and then Pastor Olga's going to step in here. Five truths about deliverance. Okay, number one, you can be a believer and still be in bondage. In fact, here's the argument. I hear Christians argue this question all the time. Can Christians be demon-possessed or not? Here's my real question. My, my real question is not whether or not you can be demon-possessed. My real question is, are you finally possessing the, the promises of God for your life? That's my question. Because God has something greater for you. And part of the, the promise of God for your life is that you can live free from the power of sin. Can believers be in bondage? I have seen it. Time and time again. In fact, when God speaks of deliverance, you know who he's always talking to? My people. He's always saying, my people. My, my people are in bondage. My people are lost. My people need a deliverer. So God is telling us time and time again that, yes, my people are, are in bondage, and they need to be set free. And I want you to know as a believer, one of the biggest hindrances of deliverance is thinking that now that I'm a believer, I don't need a deliverer. In fact, uh, I'm looking at entire denominations that are so bound, so, so lost and confused because though they believe, they're still bound. And I just want to tell you here today that it's so important to remember that if you are in bondage right now, it does not disqualify you from being a part of God's family. But your father loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be bound anymore. He wants you to be free. And that's what tonight is about. Second thing I want to tell you, Another truth about deliverance is this. God himself has come down to deliver you. He's shown up to deliver you. He told Moses, you let Pharaoh know, I'm coming to set my people free. I'm going to do this. And just like the Israelites, ladies and gentlemen, if you have been crying, if, if, if you've been in pain, if, if you've had sleepless nights, I need you to know that God sees your tears. He sees your sorrow. He sees your anguish. He sees every demonic attack that has come against you. He sees those generational curses that are literally attaching themselves to you and trying to bring curses upon your name and upon your legacy. But God is not here to sympathize with you. God is here to give you the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ himself. I want to tell 
tell you right now, before the service ends, your deliverance is not in a prayer line. Your deliverance is not in a person. Your deliverance is not in a manifestation. Your deliverance is in the anointed one. The Hebrew word is Messiah. His name is Yeshua, Jesus Christ himself. And, he, and you need to know what John said about him in 1 John 3, 8. He says that those who sin and keep on sinning, they're just like the devil. But Jesus, the whole purpose for his manifestation was to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he showed up for. So you need to know that God himself has shown up to set you free. Here's another truth I want to give you about deliverance. Deliverance requires confrontation, not negotiation. Okay, yeah, oh yeah, here we go. Come on, if you really want to walk in, in liberty, you have to learn how to confront. Liberation follows confrontation. When I think of, this, of the story of Moses and Pharaoh, Moses couldn't just set the people free. He had to go and confront their captor, their oppressor. He had to get in his face and, and tell him what, what God was saying. Now, now, remember this. If you know the story, the moment that Moses shows up to confront is the same moment that Pharaoh tries to negotiate. Moses tells him, this is what God wants us to do. We need to do this. And right there, Pharaoh tries to negotiate with Moses. This is what the enemy is always going to try to do. He's always going to try to get you in this mode of negotiation. You're saying, you know what? I'm ready to be free from this thing. And he's like, well, hold up. Do you, do you, because you've had it for so long and you've dealt with it for so long. And do you even know what freedom looks like from this? And do you really think you can get free long term? And he'll try to negotiate with you. And I, can I just tell you what I believe our American government is supposed to tell terrorists? We do not negotiate with demons. We don't spend the time negotiating with the one who's trying to destroy our eternal soul. You don't negotiate with the devil. Instead, what you do is you confront them with the whole purpose of you're coming out in Jesus' name. The confrontation leads eventually to the casting out of that demonic entity. So deliverance is just not about getting demons cast out, ladies and gentlemen. I need you to know that deliverance is also about taking back everything that those demons stole. I ain't got time to negotiate with you. I'm taking back what God said was rightfully mine. Somebody just agrees right now. Tonight's going to be one of those nights where some of you are finally getting back your peace. And you're finally getting back your joy. Somebody tonight's going to leave this place finally getting back some sense of worth and some sense of value. I believe somebody's going to get their families back. I believe somebody's going to get their children back. Come on, Satan stole it, but you're letting the enemy know tonight I'm confronting you and I'm going to get back everything that you have stolen. Somebody else just declared I'm getting my anointing back. I'm getting my passion back. I'm getting my calling back. I'm taking it all back tonight. Again, I digress because I'm not supposed to be preaching. Fourth thing I want to tell you is this. Deliverance can actually make your life harder before it gets better. Okay? Those of you who have been set free from anything, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Moses goes and confronts Pharaoh and says, yeah, God said, let my people go. Did things get better for the Israelites after that? Not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, they actually got a whole lot worse. It continued to get worse. And this is a common scenario that I see in believers' lives who get set free from demonic power, they get set free from oppression, or they get set free from depression. You feel great. You, you feel liberated. And you feel like, woo, my God, this is amazing. And then you go home and you deal with the same people who are still bound and oppressed and demonic. You go to work and you deal with that demon-possessed boss and you're just like, oh, my Lord. Okay, this, is this, when it, how, I feel free. I feel great. But you're making my life worse. 
and you feel like all hell has just broken loose in your life. And I just want to tell you tonight, do not be discouraged if you do not see an immediate difference. You just got to keep pressing into God. You just got to keep staying closer to God because you know this. Eventually, God's going to come through. And the same change that he's done in your life, God's going to begin to demonstrate those changes in everything around you. Now, how do I know that? Because when I, when I look at God's liberating power for the Hebrew people, what happens is God brings a plague. He brings 10 of them. The first few plagues affected everybody. But at one point in time, God began to make the distinction between those who aren't mine and those who are mine. And every plague after that did not touch what belonged to God. So I came to tell you here tonight, if you are going through a time of liberation, just know what God is doing is he's establishing his kingdom within you and he's removing what was a part of your old life. And so it gets uncomfortable. It gets difficult. For some of us, it's been extremely hard. But this is what God is letting you know. You are going to see not just deliverance. You're going to see the difference. Even if it takes a, time, a season, even if it takes a while, you will see the delivering power of the Lord. And the last thing is this, and I'm going to let Pastor Olga come and take this next part. But of these four things of, of, of deliverance, this truth you need to know. Deliverance will always move you from slavery to service. Oh, I thought I was just getting free. The, the, the whole purpose of deliverance isn't just so you can be free from your pain and free from your sin. The whole point of deliverance is to move you from slavery into serving. Okay? One, I had no choice. The other, I get to do so joyfully. God is wanting to move me into, in, in, into this, this understanding like he did with the Hebrew people. When, when, when Moses confronts Pharaoh, he keeps repeating this one thing that God is saying over and over again. Here's what it is, Exodus 1.8, or 8.1, Exodus 8.1. God says to Pharaoh, let my people go, and we all know that, but do you know the next part? So that they can serve me. So that they can worship me. Set them free so they can serve me. Are you following? Deliverance just, is not just about you being free. Deliverance is about you realizing I was a slave and now I get to serve. Now, God is, is moving me into that. He's, he's liberating me from what bound me because he has something better for me. He wants me to be liberated into serving his will, serving his purpose. So God, what he does is he sets you free from that old master because he's got a better master. He's got, he's got a master that's going to love you and provide for you and, and make a way for you. He's got a master that's going to bless you and, and, and give you eternal life. And that's why we call him Lord and most of you only know him as Savior. And you'll make it into heaven. But you're missing out on the blessings of making him master. That's what it means to call him Lord. God is wanting to move every one of us from our slavery into serving. Because Jesus taught us, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm asking you to do here tonight is Pastor Olga's ready to come in and give us the practical portions, the practical understanding of what it means to be delivered. Here's my prayer for you tonight. That you will surrender your life so you can finally experience more of his life. That's what God wants for you. If you believe that, say amen. Can you put your hands together and please just show some love for Pastor Olga right now. That was good stuff, amen.
All right, take about 10 seconds to like rest your fingers from the notes or the punching in or the picture taking, whatever you're doing. Um, praise God. Just like Pastor said, we came to serve just like Jesus. And now that you have an understanding biblically, what is deliverance? Now we're going to talk about, okay, now how do we do this? How do we do this to, for ourselves and for others? Um, I just want to start off saying deliverance is for the believers. Deliverance is for the believers. Um, and sometimes you, you might have grown up in church, you might have, you know, been to other churches and you don't see it or you don't talk about it or um, it's not taught. But deliverance is for the believers. It's, it's not, I don't even want to say for the Christians. I want to say it's for the believers. If you believe in it, it's for you. If it, deliverance is for the believers. First uh, John 5, 4 through 5 says... For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5, who is that overcomes the world? Question mark. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So once you've come to know Jesus, and you've accepted him into your life as your Lord and Savior, next step is anything that's in you that is not of God needs to come out because there's going to be that struggle. I've let Jesus into my heart. Now there's that struggle. Anything that's in me um, now has to go. Um, deliverance was Jesus' ministry. Therefore, it's our ministry. Every single one of you, come to know Christ, Lord, and Savior, and you experience this for yourself, freedom, healing. We're empowered. He gives us the authority to us to be ministers in this way, just like Jesus. This is our ministry as well. Um, Acts 10.38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth from the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. He was anointed and empowered, and so are we. And so I just want to talk about the basic steps. So in that bottom section where it says, uh, I think it says like section two or session two, the easiest way to, we're going to go through this quickly, is if you will just number one through eight on one side, leave some space, and then one through eight on the other side, and I'm going to give you eight steps. And I'm going to give you eight steps for when you're praying with somebody for deliverance. But just know that, like, you don't have to use all these eight steps. This is just for your knowledge, for just sharing some insight with you. Some people you're going to pray for, they need healing, or they have tormenting spirits, or they're trying to surrender an addiction. And some people, they have... Um, more emotional um, PTSD. They want to be delivered of things that they're doing, sinful actions, things like that. So every, but every person that needs deliverance or wants to be free from something or wants to be healed of something or wants to be, um, you know, their heart, whatever, their mind, their spirit, everybody is different. So I'm going to give you these eight and we're going to talk about them. But just know that you don't take all eight and say, okay, step one, this is how I'm going to pray for you. This is just for your insight. So here we go. Step, step one, how do you, when you're praying for somebody, you proceed with permission, with the person's understanding. And sometimes you could sit with somebody and be like, all right, you know, they've come to you, they want prayer for this or that. And you can sit there and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to explain it. I'm going to walk you through deliverance. And some people are just going to jump right in and be like, all right, let's pray. And so, but always proceed with permission. Because that is the, the key. That is a vital point. You can't pray a spirit out of somebody who doesn't want it prayed out of them. Um, you know, I was, I was talking to a pastor, and I was, I was talking about, I was like, I've seen those, the street ministers, and nothing against them, but sometimes they go specifically to places like 
saint worshipers, and they're like, I'm going to cast these spirits out. And what they're doing, they're fighting, or they're trying to cast a spirit out, and the person doesn't want to be delivered. And then they're just fighting and arguing and antagonizing spirits. The person needs to be want, and sometimes you need to explain to them. And once you explain, like, look, you are dealing with fear. That is not of God. Would you like to be delivered? Sometimes they don't even know that they need deliverance. And again, with their permission, so it's number one, proceed with permission. Number two, repent. Ask them to repent. Um, that's like step one. We were going to pray. Ask them to repent, to ask the Lord to forgive them. Father, forgive me from living in blah, blah, blah. Father, forgive me for doing this. Father, forgive me for giving into my lust. Father, forgive me for lying, jealousy, whatever it is they're dealing with. That's step two, repent. Number three, renounce. Um, they renounce. They're giving up the right. So I renounce anger. It has no place in my life. Walk them through renouncing it. They themselves have to speak it, renounce it. Um, I renounce witchcraft. I renounce addictions. I want to break soul ties. You know, there's people who, you know, had a relationship and they're like, I'm still like, I can't get over that person. Or, you know, you had um, sexual relations, whatever. Soul ties are formed and I need to renounce these people from my life. I need to renounce this addiction. I need to renounce this struggle, this sin, this thought. I need to renounce my triggers. Um, you know, I had traumatic experience when I was younger and I need to renounce. I keep going back to that. Anything that, that they want free freedom from, they need to renounce it. Number four, then you pray. You pray healing, freedom over them. You cast out spirits in the name of Jesus. However this person, however you're walking this person through, whatever they need, it's different for everybody. You know, I'm praying for, um, let's say I'm praying for healing for somebody, or, um, you know, sometimes people, they deal with, um, I remember a situation one time, this lady, she said, all my joints always hurt. I don't know why, blah, blah, blah. She's being tormented by something that happened in her childhood, and it's manifesting in her body. So then we're going to pray for her body, healing the brokenness, the thoughts, you know, asking her. Some people, it's, um, you know, addiction to pornography, things like that. So you, you pray, them, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, we're casting out the spirit of lust. You know, everything that he's taking in with his eyes, we're moving it, we're casting it out. In the name of Jesus, sometimes it's bitterness. You're asking to dry up the, the roots of the bitterness, the heart, the brokenness, whatever they're going to. You speak specifically, this is why we need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will give you the word sometimes. You don't know, you surrender to him, because obviously we're not doing it on our own might. This is not my power. This is, we're doing this through the Spirit of God. And so we rely on the Holy Spirit. So, um, or was it number five? Pray. No, number four. Pray. You pray. Tell the Spirit to leave in the name of Jesus. And sometimes this is where the struggle comes. Sometimes the person has a spirit and you're, you know, you pray it out. They're being set free and it's beautiful. And sometimes there's a struggle. Sometimes this is where the person, you'll see an actual physical manifestation. Um, we've had experiences where we're praying a specific, um, you know, a demon or something out of somebody and the person gets tired, gets sleepy. They like start to zone out and you're like, no, 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 no. This is the, the, the enemy who's trying to distract them from getting full deliverance. So just know at this point, there might be a struggle. There might be um, even like physical, you know, you, all kinds of stuff. So this is where it could be a struggle, but again, you are empowered. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. And so if you feel any kind of fear, just know that it's not you. You're not alone. And this is what God desires for these people. This is the process. God wants these people to be free. And knowing that, like seeing that, that beautiful child of God, you know, we always say like, let's, let's pray with people with dignity, you know, whatever they're dealing with. Um, sometimes people come in here, they're so tormented. They don't even talk right. They don't even look right. And again, that's a child of God. And we have to see them that way. And like, you are going to be set free and you're going to help somebody else be set free in the name of Jesus. 
So, um, and then number five, pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Once the spirits leave, once they feel like they're, you know, you've prayed everything that's gone, now pray that the Holy Spirit will fill them up. That is very important because the scripture talks about how if that, once the house is swept clean and time passes, those demons will try to come back. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, they will come back and they will bring um, seven more stronger with them. So that's number five. Number six, cancel. This doesn't happen all the times, but this is, I, I call it cancel. Cancel through declaration every assignment of the power of darkness against a person's mind, body, spirit. Um, anxiety, fear, worry, command all the afflicting, tormenting spirits. Just start canceling everything from that that's associated with whatever experience. And this is something that um, when you talk about people who, when you pray with people who have experienced um, things um, in their life that they're always tormented by, um, pray off triggers. This is where you can pray off triggers off of people. Um, you know, maybe somebody was dealing with unforgiveness because they were... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of unforgiveness. They were, they were done wrong. They were stabbed in the back. And so maybe sometimes they, they close themselves off or, you know, they, someone says something to them and it triggers them like, ah, that person's going to do me wrong again. There's triggers that come with that. That's where you pray off the triggers, the PTSD. You pray the memories. You know, some people, um, you know, they had abusive relationships. You pray the memories off of them. God can do anything. God, there's nothing, there's nothing that God can't do. So pray off the triggers of PTSD, cancel um, the anxiety, the worry that came with it. Um, especially when we're dealing with sexual abuse, neglect, abandonment, learn behavior, um, things like that. Number seven, declare. Have them declare who they are in Christ after this. Have them say, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of God. I'm a woman of God. I'm a powerful woman of God. I'm co-heir with Jesus. And then you declare as well who they are according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So a pastor preached, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you pray that over them as well. And then number eight, I kind of make this like a little asterisk. It's not really like a step. But if there is unforgiveness in their heart, it usually stands in the way. There's been times we've been praying for somebody and we're not getting anywhere. And then we stop and be like, is there somebody that you haven't forgiven in your life? Or you haven't forgiven yourself? Because forgive, unforgiveness will stand in the way of your deliverance. And that's why like, there's so many re scripture references in the Bible. Um, I can think of, uh, I'm scrolling down to my other scriptures. Um, in Matthew 18, in the parable of, of, of the person who didn't, breaking down really quickly the story, the person was forgiven a much, and then he didn't forgive. And then, um, I'll read it to you, hold on. Then the master called the servant in, the wicked servant. Oh, it's on the screen, awesome. And he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had in you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay it all back. Unforgiveness will keep us bound and tortured. Unforgiveness will keep us in a place where we can't be free, where we can't, you know, the Bible tells us like, before we worship, if we have something in our, in our hearts, brothers and sisters, to lay, lay down our offering and go ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful, and it's for us, for our full deliverance. Um, and that's number eight. So now, okay, so that's how this eight simple steps of how you can walk somebody through deliverance. Now I'm telling you eight simple steps of how you can do self-deliverance. Self-deliverance. Number one, I call these my R's. Recognize that you need deliverance because knowing you have deliverance is basically half the battle. 
Satan wants things to stay hidden. Um, he wants things to be, you know, keep you in bondage. So just recognize that you need deliverance. Have you guys ever, you know, known somebody who has addictions or, or alcoholic and they're like, oh, I can stop anytime. You know, or I do, you know, they do drugs. Oh, I can stop anytime. You know, it's people, Satan wants to keep us in denial. Religion will keep you bound. John 8, 33, the religious uh, Jews questioned Jesus. They said, we are descendants of Abraham. What do you mean we need to be set free? Again, not being in denial. That's number one. Recognize that you need deliverance. Number two, repent of any known sins. Any known sins. And you know, you know. And if you have any questions, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this is a sin. Ask them. Ask a leader, a spiritual leader. But you should know. You repent of any known sins. Number three, again, renounce. Any connection to demons, to witchcraft, to sinful practices, anything you do, renounce them. Say, I give this up. I renounce this in the name of Jesus. The next one is release yourself. Release yourself from unclean spirits. Say, actually, like, I release myself from the spirit of pornography. I release myself from the spirit of fear. I release myself from shame, addictions, lustful thoughts. I release myself over, you know, overeating, jealousy, masturbation, whatever it is. Oh, there's not kids in the room. I don't know. <laughs> release yourself. Speak that stuff. And then remove. It's important to remove. Anything that connects you to your old life, um, atmosphere, relationships, remove those things from your life. This is another one. Resist the devil. And I want to say for one second. After you've renounced and released... What happens is the spirits that were in you or tormenting you or oppressing you, they come out. They're, they were once on the inside, now they're on the outside. But they don't always leave you alone. They don't always disappear. They will try to convince you. They will create temptations um, to things you're addicted to. The devil is a liar. You always have to remember that. Just because you're being tempted doesn't mean you're not delivered. And I believe that's one of Satan's lies. I've seen it over and over again. You know, I've experienced it myself. Just, be, just because you're being tempted afterwards doesn't mean you're being delivered. Because people, oh, you're not really delivered. Then we will try to tell you, oh, you're not really delivered. Oh, you can't be delivered from that. You have to flee. The Bible says you have to flee. You have to keep walking. Some people go through deliverance and then they go home and then they're tempted or they have the feelings come back from whatever they were dealing with and then they surrender back to that thing because they think, oh, I wasn't really delivered. And you have to learn to fight back. You have to learn not to give in. The Bible says in Psalms 144, one says, Praise be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. We have to fight. This is spiritual warfare that we're going through. This is spiritual warfare. We have to learn to fight back. And James 4, 17 says, Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. you have, you're going to have to fight back. And then there's two more. Renew. Renew your mind. Renew your mind and your new identity. You are a new creation in Christ. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 22 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Whatever you did, whatever pattern, whatever experiences, whatever um, uh, things that you used to do, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is very important. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what? God's will is stay connected to God. Keep reading your word. Renew your mind daily. And then the last one, remain rooted in the word. Remain rooted in the word in your church, around believers. Um, join a small group. Start a, start a Bible study. You have to remain. This is how we fight back.
Amen. And so I'm not telling you all of this, like these are steps. Like I said, everybody's different. I remember it was 1999. I'm dating myself. It was 1999. I had just came to know the Lord. I was on fire and we were having a retreat. And I remember helping for the first time pray over somebody. And I saw literally a demon coming out. Like you saw the manifestation, the physical manifestation in her. And there was different people that were being prayed for, for deliverance. And I remember going home and I had, like I was just saved. Pastor Damon and I weren't married yet. Um, but I remember I was just newly saved and not on fire. And I remember like kneeling in my room and being like, okay, like I'm not, I've been through some stuff. I've seen some stuff in my life. I've been through stuff. And I remember kneeling and being like, Lord, is there a demon in me? Like, because I was seeing it. I was seeing people be delivered from it. And it's like, there's times to reflect and just examine. And, and uh, I remember like, you know, being on fire and everything. And, and obviously nothing happened. But I remember praying and be like, I'd rather it manifest here in my room than, you know, in the middle of everybody. But there's no shame in that. There's no shame in having people pray for you. But it was just me like not being equipped yet, not being empowered, but knowing that like that was God's will for, for our lives to be that person to help set people free. And um, just, just that call that God's placed on us. And so just know that it's okay to question. It's okay to have people pray for you. It's okay to have... Um, Read your, read your Bible, go to leaders and be like, hey, can you pray for me? I used to deal with this or that, or I want to make sure this is gone, or, or you know what, I, I'm tormented at night and I have dreams still, or you know, every time I hear my parents say this, it triggers me, it takes me back to that place. You know, it's possible to have, um, I did some training, and I'm done here, but I did some training um, to be like a first responder, Christ, like a crisis chaplain. And we teach, they teach us big time on PTSD. PTSD is a real thing. And even when like people have a traumatic experience, like whether they, they lose their home, whether it's a school shooter, whether there's a national disaster, if people don't pray that, that, tra that trauma off people, it will torment them going forward. And that's such a ploy of the enemy to like, have them hang on to that and torment them for the rest of their life. So if you had something that you went through that was traumatic for you and that you feel like you still get triggered by it or, um, you know, it still scares you or you live in fear or, you know, you don't let your children do something because something bad, you know, whatever it is, like it's, it's, you can get that prayed off of you because God can set you free from that because nothing, we shouldn't have anything. If it doesn't line up with God's word, like we said last, the last workshop in um, spiritual warfare, if it doesn't line up with God's word, if it doesn't line up with what, who he says he is and who we, he says that we are, then it's not of God. Amen? I'm done. Thank you, Pastor Olga. If you will, it's almost 8 o'clock, and what we'd like to do here for the next 15 minutes, if we can, is we're going to break off into small groups. And if you look at your name tag, obviously you've got your, hopefully got your name and the number on there. And, and part of the reason why we don't always like to let people sit with their families is because you feel comfortable, I guess, sometimes, and, and casual. Other things you may not want to say in front of your family. What we're going to do in our small groups is allow us to, um, to break off into smaller groups, we're going to ask some questions of you. On the back side of your, your paper that you got, there's a, a portion for reflection. We want you to write your thoughts, your, your answers, the things God is showing you and, on that section of reflection in your small groups. We're going to present five different questions to you in our small groups. We want you to write out what God is showing you, what God is revealing to you. Because those are the things ultimately we want to pray against tonight. We want to believe that God is going to liberate you from completely. Um, in those small groups as well, if you do have questions, we want you to ask of your small group leaders during that time as well any questions you might have. And then when our small group time does 
kind of close up. We're going to come back together. I've got just one more thing I want to drop on your heart. And then, again, if you've got what you need from God, God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. But if you need prayer, that's what we're going to do at the end of the night for all who need it. Okay? So, again, on your number, uh, on your name tag is, got, is a number. So over here is going to be number one. Right in this section here will be number two. This section will be number three. And that section will be number four. Okay? Again, one, two, three, and four. And we're going to take about 15 minutes or so in this time of small group. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just for the sake of, of time, and if you still have your sheets, you may have already gotten to that last question, but I want to make sure that we all get to this question here together. And that, did any, any group not get to the last question? Any group not get to that last question? Okay, did not get, not get to that last question. Okay. Well, thank you for your honesty, Ms. Autumn. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to make sure that we, we answer this because this is imperative, okay? The last question was this. Do you truly feel loved by God for who you are? Not for anything you've done. It's just a simple fact that you know, you know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know what, you've, what you said. The question is, do you feel loved by God for who you are? For who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you're always going to question God's love for you. When you recognize what he's done, who he is, and who ultimately he wants you to become in Christ. Wow, there's nothing I can do. Height nor depth. Things that are present or things that might come. Even demonic powers, angelic powers, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I need you to know the, the answer to that question is not about what you feel, but about what is true. And here's what the Bible tells us. Romans 5.8 says this. God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. Okay? His own love. While we were still sinners... Enemies, far from God. Christ died for us. God made sure to demonstrate his love when we were his enemies. We wanted nothing to do with him. It's not about how you feel. It's about the facts, the truth of his word. And then one real quickly, and then again, I just kind of quoted it, but Romans 8. Romans 8 tells us in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not along with Jesus also freely give us all sorts of things? This is how much he loves you. He wants to continue to give you great things in your life. And then again, this is how it finishes. I am con convinced, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, height nor depth, or anything that's created, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ my Lord. Based on your time of reflection tonight and the time that you had to interact with your small group. I pray you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, uh, generational curses, um, things that, that you've allowed the enemy to have some kind of open door, agreements that you've made with the lies and deception of Satan. I pray you've allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to you because those are the things that I, I want to believe with you for your freedom. I want to believe with you for your breakthrough tonight. I had five things that I'm not even going to get to tonight, so I asked Karina, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to go live Next Wednesday on Facebook, and I'm going to give you the five things that, I, that I've got. Okay, so please make sure to, to, to join me. We'll do it next, Friday, uh, excuse me, next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Next Wednesday at 7 o'clock, I'll be on Facebook Live. Just join me, and, and I'll give you these five things, but I, I don't want you to leave without number one. Okay, and here it is. Here it is. The most valuable lesson I want you to get from tonight is God is going to move us from deliverance to a thing called dominion.
That's the whole point of what tonight is about. I, just, I don't want to just see you free. That's not just what God wants. He wants your freedom, but he wants you not to move into a place of dominion. Dominion means that what used to dominate me is now under my feet. Now I dominate. The, the, the greed or the lust or the pain or the loss or the, the sorrow, those things that used to dominate me, now I have dominion over. This is the whole point of tonight. We want to see you move from getting delivered to now living in a place of full dominion. Because it is for freedom. This is what the Bible tells us, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I promise I'll get to everything else next Wednesday night. Yeah. Having said that, in this room, if you had a chance to reflect, and David, go and give me a little bit of that soaking music now, sir. If you had a chance to reflect, and you've self-examined, and you said, I'm good. I feel like God has set me free from things before. I, nothing has been stirred up. I'm living in this place of, of liberty and freedom. I'm going to pray over you first. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And then grab your things, grab your kids. God bless you, okay, unless they need deliverance, okay? Uh, but for those of you just like, man, the Holy Spirit has been revealing things to me. And, and I realize I don't have to stay bound by this anymore. I, don't, I can be delivered tonight, and then I can begin to walk in dominion. Those are the people I'm going to ask you to join me at this front area. I'm going to, I'm going to pray over you tonight.